If you're innovating, creating, or making a difference, this show is for you. Welcome to Over Coffee. I'm Dot Cannon. Here on Over Coffee, we talk with artists and innovators about the process of changing the world in terms of what they do. How do we adapt mindfulness to the virtual environment? And it continues to be something that we continue to modify and try to sort of optimize for people. Can the use of virtual reality actually change someone's life and help that person make better decisions? Dr. Peter Bucher is the Chief Medical Officer for Behavior, a virtual reality technology platform in the Louisville, Kentucky area. Dr. Bucher, or Dr. Pete, or just Pete as he prefers to be called, is an orthopedic surgeon with an extensive background in mind-body medicine. Dr. Pete and the staff at Behavior have been developing some exciting VR-based experiences that could help minimize stress and overcome addiction. The following podcast is for informational purposes only and is not intended as medical advice. Please contact your doctor or other healthcare professional with any health or medicine-related issues or questions. Pete, as an orthopedic surgeon, what first led you to your passion for mind-body medicine? Yeah, I think so. I think it was just that. You know, as an orthopedic surgeon, if nothing else, you know, you sit in an office and listen to people talk about pain all day. And I think there are certain conditions or certain things people would come in with that were pretty clear-cut that, you know, could be treated with therapy or, you know, medication, injection, or procedure, which we're trained to do. And then many things I saw seemed to be more related to other underlying issues, whether it was stress, whether it was some, you know, emotional difficulty or just something else that seemed to be a little bit out of reach. And I felt sort of like I needed more skills to help really impact people the way that I felt like I wanted to. How did VR first come on your radar as a way to impact your patients? Yeah, so I had had a business doing mind-body medicine for a couple of years, and the the person who did our web design for that business actually was doing, had moved to a different company. I had closed that business at the end of 2014, and fast forward a couple of years in the early spring, I guess around March of 17, that individual who I knew sent me an email and said that she was working for a new company, and doing web design and had a client that she was working with that she thought I should meet, and that was Aaron, who is our CEO of Behavior. He had started the company less than a year before that. They started in the summer of 16 and were, you know, were exploring some models of how to, he really wanted to tackle the area of health behavior change, which he saw as kind of the holy grail of medicine and health, and but needed somebody with uh, a medical background and needed somebody with some mind-body medicine sort of, you know, practical experience. And so the individual who I mentioned introduced the two of us and we met and talked and just seemed like kind of a match made in heaven. So I, previous to that, had zero experience with VR. The first day I went to meet him to talk about it was the day they put me in a headset and here, see what we're doing. And I was pretty, I was pretty blown away by it. What did you experience when he put you in that headset? Well, I think I think it was the 
the thing I was most blown away by was how powerful the technology was at sort of hijacking my, you know, kind of your whole perceptual framework, so to speak. And even though I knew I was sitting in a chair in an office in a building, I really felt like I was in the experience that they had put me in. There was one where I was walking on a plank over a high rise. There was one where there's a T-Rex chasing me down a hallway. There was one where I was in a battle scene. He was kind of showing me some general VR stuff. And I think the prospect of being able to sort of bypass the thinking mind and go straight into the areas of our brain where we learn or remember where we're really motivated was really captivating. And I think the potential of what we could do with health-related applications was immediately obvious. With that kind of inspiration, what were your first days like there as Chief Medical Officer of Behavior? Yeah, well, I think it continues to be, it's a lot of fun, and it's challenging because we're sort of, we're sort of venturing into uncharted territory with what we're trying to do with it. So it's a, it's a challenge in the sense that, for instance, in all of our experiences, one of the really, so the the kind of the mantra of the company or what we're sort of after with all of our experiences, how do we motivate someone to want to do something better for themselves? How do we educate them on how to do that and how do we activate the actual behavior change? And one of the key pieces of the activation for a lot of our content is mindfulness. And so one of the early challenges was in those early days was how do we adapt mindfulness, which I had been teaching for over five, you know, five years or six years at that point, how do we adapt mindfulness to the virtual environment? And it continues to be something that we continue to play with and modify and and try to sort of optimize for people. So, but the exciting thing I think was trying to figure out how to merge my world of mind-body medicine, teaching mindfulness, and then learning this whole new medium of virtual reality. Creatively, that sounds like a blast. It's a lot of fun. And, you know, it's just a, the whole team is just, it's like this real, this group of very, you know, creative and just neat, very gifted, talented people. And so to be able to work in a team like that to try to solve some of these problems is really spectacular. Let's step through some of the ways that you put that mindfulness into VR. Do I remember right that the first therapy you did was a smoking cessation program? Yeah. So, yeah, so the team had developed a smoking cessation platform by the time I came on. That was kind of their first venture into an actual health behavior, you know, application. And so when I came on, we sort of retooled that in a number of ways. But, yeah, so to create the mindfulness experience, again, it's kind of a challenge because if I'm teaching a class, I'll give some instructions and I'll give you a lot of space to just, practice, you know, in silence. But if you just drop somebody into silence with nothing happening in VR, they think the thing shut off or something, you know. So even though we would tell them, hey, you know, there's going to be a period of silence, because the technology is so powerful, it's sort of hijacking and sort of uh, sort of a crude term, but I can't think of another a better way to say it, but it's so much better at sort of bypassing, so to speak, your thinking mind, and it goes straight to your sort of emotional center and your learning center that they would, it was almost like that information just kind of went right by and like, what's happening, you know? So we kind of had to really learn, we're 
still, like I said, learning how to adapt mindfulness into the virtual experience. But the way we do that really it's with smoking, kind of like with our addiction medicine platform, which we just launched a month and a half or so ago, is really about helping put people in touch with their thoughts and emotions in real time, how to understand what craving is and how to, you know, how to deal with it and to give them other tools besides, of course, reaching for the cigarette or the drug or the alcohol or whatever we're working with. And really to sort of empower people with skills that they can use in real time to sort of offset those behaviors. Now, I've had the pleasure of stepping through one of your experiences for real, Firefly, which I experienced at Virtual Medicine. Is that the new addiction platform that you were just referring to? Yeah, so Firefly, as we developed for that platform, and what that is for your listeners is the, the Fireflies is a, a practical experience we embedded in a module that was based on cognitive behavioral therapy and the triad of thoughts, emotion, and behavior. And so in that game, you get to select three of each category. And if you select a thought that's going to lead you down a bad path, for instance, back into using the drugs or alcohol, then it sort of empties out the jars of the fireflies you've collected, and and then you have to kind of start over. So it really kind of emphasizes the importance of, it. first of all, demonstrates that you can actually choose thoughts based on a trigger. So the trigger might be something like, you know, your boss yells at you at work, and so that that's the scenario. And then all the thoughts, emotions, and behaviors that might come from that start to show up, and then you get to pick what you would think in that scenario. And if you pick one that's going to lead you into a regrettable decision, then we, you know, we sort of empty everything out and let you start again. And you realize that, number one, you can choose your thoughts, you know, your feelings at different times, and, of course, always the behavior that you take, the, the choice that you make. And then we wanted to really reinforce that these things connect so that the thought you pick doesn't impact the emotions that might be available in that moment, or the emotion that you pick might also impact the, of course, the choice that you make or the behavior that you take. So if that makes sense, that's kind of the practical or the gamified, which, you know, in, in VR is a very, again, a very powerful way to use the medium as to gamify experiences. And so it allows the person who's going through rehab to really kind of get that in a practical way. Of course, when you say addiction and rehab, the first thing that comes to mind are drugs, including alcohol, but it sounds like this might work for something like a food addiction, somebody who's trying to do weight control as well. Yes, absolutely. So we definitely have our eyes on that as well. And there's obviously a lot of overlap between a number of these health issues that remain very much unsolved in our, you know, in our healthcare climate. How do you customize your behavior program to individual patients? If, for example, I want to lose some weight, will I be having the same experience as my neighbor who does or different? So there's obviously some similarities. So we build a platform. Our platforms are cloud-based, so they're feeding back. So the headset and what's going on, We so maybe I should back up one more step. When we put you in the virtual experience, you're in a headset, and you also are wearing a biometric measuring device that looks like kind of like a watch. And so the information from choices that you would select, so most of our platforms have a what we call a motivational interviewing component, so there will be a questions that will be asked, and you will click an answer in response, plus the biometrics are feeding back to the cloud in real time. 
And then depending on what's happening with those two things, then the way we build the workflows in the cloud on the back end, it would then deliver an experience to the user in real time. So, of course, there's some standardized components of it. And then there are also some decision points that the person can take, which will then guide the next piece of content that will come, which may be different than somebody else. And then there's, a, for instance, in the, in the addiction medicine platform, we have another sort of gamified experience where we teach emotional regulation. So we teach the breathing technique, and the biometrics are feeding back to the cloud in real time to then impact a, a lotus flower, for instance, that's in the environment and the color of the environment. So they can kind of get a sense if they're escalating or if they're de-escalating their emotional response to the trigger. So it's kind of like almost like a biofeedback kind of module, and that's all happening in real time based on their biometrics and the breathing that they're doing, which we can also actually monitor the breathing and, and how they're breathing with another sensor. Are you also monitoring things like heart rate and blood pressure? Heart rate and what's called galvanic skin response, which relates to basically how your nervous system is reacting to stress. Dr. Pete said there have been some additional advances as well. One of the other things that we're, we sort of started looking at is, you know, we're really interested in the digital therapeutic space. I think a lot of people may not even know that's a thing where the FDA has actually created a classification where like they do for, you know, drugs or, or devices that are used in the medical world. There's this whole classification for digital therapeutics now. And so we're really interested in getting into that space and doing the research and looking at this and one thing that we've been looking a lot at is how do we use VR with the biometrics that we're collecting, but also looking at biomarkers. In other words, looking at you know actual lab tests and blood data to show that we're actually impacting the stress hormones that are circulating in the system. So I'm guessing that's, that's probably a few years down the line before that stuff really comes to fruition as far as getting approved in that way. I don't know how all that works fully. I have an idea of the process, of course, but or how long that might take. But I think there's just some really exciting things in general in the digital therapeutic world, and we definitely plan on being right in the middle of it and being a big part of it. And I did not know that about the FDA. When did they start taking digital therapeutics seriously? Yeah, well, it's been relatively recent. There are only, I think, one company that's gotten actually through the process, and there's maybe a couple others or a handful of others that are sort of entering or in the process. So it's a pretty new thing, but you can imagine now that it's there, there's a lot of interest in, for instance, pharmaceutical companies partnering up with digital companies to create sort of combination products. So the way that would look to the the patient is, say you get put on a medicine for anxiety or blood pressure or whatever it might be, and you get a, a prescription and you get a prescription for a digital product. And that digital product is helping treat your condition, but it's also feeding back in real time to your prescribing doctors so they can make any adjustments in real time. So it's not like you get on a medicine and then just deal with whatever happens for three months till you come back again. They can actually monitor that in real time and call and say, hey, I think that's a little high dose. Let's back you down to this and, you know, I'll call you back in a week. And it allows for much more, I think, effective and efficient use of the system. Currently, is behavior available for the individual or using it more in therapy situations? Yeah, so we, we have gone both routes over time. 
right now what we've found to be the best model for what we're doing has been to partner with companies who are already in the domains that we're deploying in. So, for instance, the first major widespread deployment that we did was a pain neuroscience education program for people with chronic pain that was developed in concert with a physical therapy outfit that Confluent, which was doing a program called Pain Neuroscience Education. And so we developed, we co-developed that product and then deployed in physical therapy clinics all across the country. Last I heard, we were in about 90 clinics, literally from Washington, D.C. to Washington State. We're all across the continental U.S. And then the addiction medicine platform was developed in concert with an addiction medicine, you know, specialty clinics. So right now we've found it to be valuable to develop the experience. We have the platforms and we develop the experience with people who are experts in that domain to deploy in their facilities. But we do have our eyes on a new stress regulation product that we're we're working on, which may be more also released for general consumption as well. Are you able to tell me much about this new stress reduction product yet? Yeah, so one of the things I've been really interested in, so in, what I didn't mention to you is that since 2012, and I'm very close to done, thank goodness, hopefully by the end of the calendar year, I've been in a PhD program in mind-body medicine and in the dissertation process now. And a lot of my focus has been on the impact of chronic stress on health. And it turns out to affect basically every aspect of your life, not just your health, but literally every organ system of the body is affected. And so that's a big passion of mine. So one thing we really wanted to do was to get a good, high-quality stress resilience program out on the market to really impact people's lives in positive ways, you know, in the health domain and beyond. So so building in platforms kind of like we talked about, like showing people not only what causes stress to trigger, how it impacts your body, how to prevent, mitigate, and even reverse stress-related disease across multiple platforms. So there's different ways that might actually work. One of the things that we have in there is what we call a happy place. So you have almost like this really cool, totally sort of vibed out house that you get to be in and you can customize it to certain degrees. And there's different rooms for different experiences that you would have. Like there's a mindfulness, you know, meditation room. There's like a video room where you might watch educational videos about things. And there's, you can choose the outside scenery, whether it's a beach scene, a mountain scene, a forest scene, things like that. But beyond just, you know, a lot of VR, early VR products in the market for health, a lot were based around like kind of a one-off experience or a distraction experience. What we really wanted was to create the long-term impact. So we create these cool experiences where you can kind of go in and, and get away for a little bit. But the real goal is to impact, you know, to really affect a lasting positive change in your life by having done the experience. So that's kind of what we're after with the stress product. Do you have a timeline yet or a projected date when this might be out? I don't have a projected date right now. We have actually been working on that product, and there are components of it that are sort of infused into some of the other products I've mentioned. But as a standalone product, I'm not exactly sure when we'll have that deployed yet. Let's be sure and give your link so that people can get updates. 
on behavior and any other new products you may have. So the website is behavior and it's spelled B-E-H-A-V-R dot com. B-E-H-A-V-R dot com. That's an easy one. Pete, what's been one of your absolute favorite fun experiences since you started working with behavior? Oh, gosh. I think it's been really, the exciting part really, I think, has just been hearing the patient feedback. We are really obsessed with collecting data from the experiences, both on the back end via the biomonitoring, but also just directly from the consumer about use experiences and that kind of thing. And just hearing how positively patients take to it, how it seems to really positively affect their lives, like the pain product, how they're getting extra sessions in with their physical therapist, and they're getting good gains, and they're seeing the, the results in their you know, reduction of pain. I mean, it's just tremendously rewarding to know that we're able to do this. And the sessions, I mean, when they go into their physical therapist and they get the VR session, the sessions are about 15 minutes you know, maybe out of the hour or so that they're with their therapist. So these are relatively short experiences, but they seem to pack a pretty big punch because of the way they're delivered in the VR environment. So it's just been fun, like, to create the products, and I get to be a little bit of a movie and audio star. (laughs) I get to record videos and audio tracks, and they wind up in the environment. So when I put on the headset, and I'm like, wow, that, you know, looks really it looks really good, and it sounds really good, and it's really powerful. So I think just working with a great creative team of people and working, you know, as a physician, kind of working very much outside the box of conventional health care, but also in a way that is really, I think, delivering to a market of people that are very challenging the way the healthcare system is set up. And so it's kind of like I can fulfill my desire to help people and and help people relieve suffering and and do good work in the world of health, but in a very unique, interesting, and creative way. You had never experienced VR before you happened to meet the founder of this, and now you're creating VR. Right. What resources were especially helpful to you? You know, I think, honestly, it mainly has just been the team of people learning. You know, each of us kind of has a very specific role that we play, but we all learn a whole lot from each other the more that we work together. And so, you know, I know how to, I know how to write a script. I know how to record audio. I know how to be on video. I'm very comfortable with that kind of stuff. But to be on video in a way that looks good in VR is a completely different experience, you know. So really having to to learn from them and rely on their expertise. And then, honestly, a lot of it's just been trial and error. You know, we'll do something, go, yeah, I don't know, let's try it again, but do it this way. And then we kind of figuring out what works as we go along as well. What's the best creative mistake you made when you were making VR video that really taught you something not to do? (laughs) Well, in VR, things are, this is kind of a funny story, in VR, things are very different than they are maybe in the world of live video. And one example was we did this whole, we did this whole video as part of our, I think it it was part of the pain neuroscience program. And we recorded this video, and our engineer edited the video meticulously. He literally said it took him about 17 hours. Like, you know, I don't like to put it away and come back, put it away and come back, put it away and come back. So I just sat there and just got all through it for literally, like, into the you know the wee hours of the morning. Got it all edited to get it out the next day. And when he showed it to Aaron, Aaron noticed that in the video, 
that my belt buckle was a little bit off center. And in the VR environment, because I was standing in the video, so in the VR environment, it's just like a glaring, it's a glaring thing, whereas you might not even notice it, you know, just watching a news clip or whatever. So, so we learned very quickly the importance of checking all the details because they, the VR video is particularly unforgiving in that way. There was another one where my feet started to look a little weird in the video, and our, one of our animators had to create a new set of feet for me, which if you didn't know she did that, it's not obvious. You wouldn't notice it. But to us, we look at it and we go, oh, my gosh, <laughs> it looks like a glaring thing. So just learn that there are, you know, the video doesn't convert naturally to VR. You really you have to really pay attention to those things on the front end before you waste, you know, 17 hours of editing <laughs> time before you figure it out. I'm hearing continuity go over this with a fine-tooth comb. Correct. Finally, Pete, if people could only get one thing from you, as a doctor, as a soon-to-be Ph.D. doctor, as a dad, and as somebody who's having a great time working with behavior, about innovation, creativity, and making a difference, what would you like them to take away from you? I think the biggest thing I would say is if you have that pull, you have that fire burning in you, you have that, that desire to make a bigger splash, a bigger impact in the world, then it's just take the step. You know, I think I sort of felt that for a long time before I actually did anything. And then, and then of course, you get paralysis by analysis. And you start wanting to all be perfect and all to kick into place, just, you know. And it's kind of like it doesn't really work that way. So it's like just take a step forward and then let the journey unfold and then just enjoy the ride. It's been just a spectacular ride, you know, still on all these fronts, you have no idea where this stuff is all going to land, but it's been such a joy and such a, a fun ride to be a part of. So I think it's not about going from A to Z. It's just about going from A to B and trusting that Z is out there somewhere, if that makes sense. But, yeah, I think the medical world, the health world, is full of just really super intelligent, creative, resourceful, resilient people. And, you know, I think we just need more people out there innovating and trying to stuff new and putting themselves out, you know, putting themselves the creative skills out there to solve a lot of the problems that we're facing in the health world in new and innovative ways. Pete, thank you for your time today. Yes, ma'am. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate the conversation. You and I have been listening to Dr. Peter Bucher, Chief Medical Officer at Behavior LLC. Find out more about Behavior's virtual reality platforms at behavior.com. That's behavior, spelled B-E-H-A-V-R, dot com. The preceding podcast was for informational purposes only and was not intended as medical advice. Please contact your doctor or other healthcare professional with any health or medicine-related issues or questions. And that concludes this edition of Over Coffee. Thank you for listening. Listen to more Over Coffee podcasts at twomavericks.com. That's two... T-W-O, Mavericks, M-A-V-E-R-I-X, twomavericks.com. And you can contact us at twomavericks at gmail.com. The music you're hearing is royalty-free production music provided by Pond5 at pond5.com. I'm Dot Cannon. Here's wishing you a cappuccino day.